Hi, you're listening to Friarside Chats, and I'm your host, Emma Miller, here a year later with... Unbelievable. Yes, my good friend, Father Mike. Way to go, Em. We have, we have gotten through a year of podcasts. Yes. It's hard to imagine. When we first started doing this, we thought, well, let's just do a few and see where we go. And here we are <laughs> a year later, and uh, with listenership in the billions, maybe mm. trillions, yeah. around yeah. the world. Well, Around the are globe. there trillions of humans yet? Well, you know, people have listened multiple <laughs> times, and so they're we're uh, sending it out into deep space. <clears throat> that's too, correct. You know, that's so. correct. Aliens are listening. <laughs> so, I have to say, you know, my hands are a lot less clammy that's than good. when we first started recording. That's good. You, I, I, have you always been comfortable in front of the radio? Well, in front of the radio. What are you talking about? We're not in front of a radio. <laughs> in front of, in front the... of this. Recording device. Yes, yes I, I yeah I have to say that I am only because I I, I speak publicly yeah. all the time, so it doesn't really um, bother me a whole lot. And the other is, you know, we always have the edit button. So yeah, yeah. boy, you guys are seriously super lucky that uh, you know we've we've edited out some of Father Mike's horrible oh, uh, missteps. My you bad know? theology, <laughs> my my miscues, or my ruffling. Uh, Emma always claims that uh, my habit makes noise that you know because there's a lot of cloth and that that the the mic picks it up so it's not a claim it's a fact it's a fact so you've been spared all that because i know our listeners have not heard any of that because you filtered it out god bless you i've become a adobe audition pro because of your well you're a pro in many (laughs) many ways and that's just another of your many talents yes well (laughs) here on our anniversary (laughs) edition on our anniversary edition yeah so i thought we would um take a look through the past year a little bit not every episode but um you know some you know starting in episode one like a highlight or something and then um going off of some questions that listeners have actually asked around certain certain things we've talked about in different episodes and I'm actually really excited so we'll we'll play a little clip and then you and I will talk about it a little bit That sounds great with me, as long as one of the clips is you asking Hala Dow how to pronounce her last name, which... My really good friend Hala, Hala, whose last name name is one syllable, and I couldn't... One syllable, but three vowels. So what? I mean, oh, come on. I, you know, we should we should com- have some commentary on that. That would be. <laughs> let's talk about how you have a hard time pronouncing one syllable words. Well, you know, when you grow up with the last name of Miller, oh, it's just it. yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's pretty easy. Okay, so diving in, let's take a listen to our very first clip. They don't get me. And what is what? What's really at the heart of the being at odds? Mm-hmm. Don't you think? And um, the the being at odds part. Um, gosh, tons, right? I mean, <laughs> students you talk to too. There's, uh, imagine the the variety of ways in which students can be at odds with their parents or a sibling. Yeah. Uh, over some, oftentimes it's a hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Something that that they're holding on to something that was said or a uh, a rebuff or something, and 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 I just think in that moment you just have to you have to say, can I let it go? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes letting it go. I just, I draw on the image of Jesus on the cross, you know, and, and where he is letting go of these people who um, are are killing him. I mean, it's just, you know, that that's an extreme example, obviously, right? But um, but I, I think that, that ability to let go is such a life skill. I don't know, has that, it's easier said than done, don't you think? Yeah, I, um, honestly, for me, the key was... Um, 
I, I had a hard time letting go of the hurt and the frustration I had um, with, with one of my parents until I really embraced how deeply I'm loved by Jesus and that in all my weakness and error and screwing up, he still forgives me. And if he can do that, I can learn to like, I can learn to do that too. Right. So it really right. wasn't until I realized how loved I was and then, you know, that love extends, extends to that person too. And I, I better learn how to, how to do it. Yeah, and that's so true. And, and it, it really reaffirms the fact that we really can't love others until we know that we ourselves are loved, you mm-hmm. know, in the real sense. Um, mm. that, that was, uh, that was, that was poignant. Yeah. I, uh, and, and I feel, um, so we, we had a couple listeners actually ask to, to talk about this a little bit more. And I know that in my conversation with students now is like the end of the semester is coming up and Christmas break is coming. You know, it's just, it's just talking literally today with a student who, um, I understand where she's coming from. It's not easy to go home to her home at break sometimes, um, where so many folks are really excited and love to go home. Sometimes it's not restful going home because of family dynamics and, and whatnot. What, um, I don't know, how, what, what do you say to students who are, are there, or people, you know, our own age who... Sure. You know, I, I think the, the woundedness of our world is something that um, we probably don't uh, acknowledge or discuss enough, not in the sense of being a, um, you know, I, I'm at the mercy of the, the hurts of my life um, or being a victim, but rather to acknowledge that um, the point that you made so beautifully that there's something healing in God's love of me, that when I reflect more deeply on how much God has forgiven me, how much God loves me, it's with that love that I'm able to reach mm-hmm. out and um, and let go of the hurts that I have. Mm-hmm. And so I think too often, all of us, I know I do, I, I think so much rests on my shoulders yeah. and I put the onus on myself and sure, I mean, I have to be responsible. I, I don't, I don't shirk from that. I, I guess I just feel like when I pull my awareness of God to the forefront, and I recognize who walks beside me, mm-hmm. whose spirit is within me, and whose love I have been created and formed in, mm-hmm. there's just a whole different frame of reference that hurts can't touch. Mm-hmm. That hurts can't overwhelmed that yeah. hurts can't hold down in fact it's just the opposite that I'm empowered I'm I, I and I'm sent to to be God's healing touch mm-hmm. in the world but I can't do that as long as all I'm doing is holding on to to that hurt yeah. and so I, I feel like um, that deeper reflection is the place that so many of us because of the frenetic uh, pace of our lives or because we just haven't experienced it yet mm-hmm. that we don't have that well to dip into. Mm-hmm. And and so as a result, those hurts or the family dynamics loom large mm-hmm. and 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 it seems like this this mountain that can't be climbed. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, you know, if you feel like you're in that place right now, spending some time um in prayer asking God to just let you know how loved you are, right? right. Like right. 
what would be a good passage to read there? That's a good question. Um, you know, I mean, I think um, I I just think the uh, you know the, the the here we are in in the Christmas season. You know, I certainly think reading Luke's nativity. You know, mm-hmm. to think that God loves us so much that he wanted to come and be with us and share the frailty of our own experience. Mm-hmm. Um, if that doesn't convince us, then I'm not sure what what passage would. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm sure there are many others certainly, but. That's one that just sort of resonates at this this mm-hmm. time of the year. Um, so that you know that might be that might be one that might you know might be a help. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, and I just want to encourage anyone who's listening too. If you ever feel like you don't know how to pray around something, feel free to like reach out to us. We talk about prayer and taking stuff to, to God in prayer in every episode. If you're like I really still don't understand, send us an email. We'll, get back to you, um, give you some good tips or put you in touch with a student who, you know, has had similar experiences maybe and has some tips around that. But ultimately, because we've all been there, yep. all of us <laughs> yeah. have wondered, what am I doing here? Yep. And does this make any, is anyone listening? And mm-hmm. what do I even do? And I, I can't sit still for four seconds, let alone oh four gosh. minutes or, yes. or 15 minutes, you know, and all those things, every single one of us on the planet uh, the greatest saints and the worst sinners have yeah. all wrestled with, and so don't don't feel isolated in that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, one thing I sometimes in confessional moments I'll, you know, when someone confesses having an issue with a particular person, I'll invite them to hold that person up in prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, and what I what I specifically say to that person all the time is, when I say hold them up in prayer, it it, it shouldn't be Lord. Um, fix them so that they're better and nicer to me, you know, like, or (laughs) please help them to not be so blank, you know, whatever the issue is. Rather, holding them up in prayer is just a a moment of meditation where that person is on my mind and who they are. I sit with the Lord with them Mm -hmm. and just, there's no agenda. It's just being with the Lord with that person in mind, you know, that um, I, I think that can be a, a beautiful place to mm-hmm. start with the people with whom we're having some mm-hmm. uh, some bad time mm-hmm. or some break in relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Mm. It's really good. Going to have to put some of those things into practice. Practice. <laughs> That's the hardest part. Um, awesome. Thanks, Father Mike. Let's, um, let's go ahead and take a listen to our very next clip. As, as your friend, that... Uh, I, I can pray with you. I can pray for you. And that's not just cheap talk. You no. know, we believe that our faith teaches us that that's a powerful way to be uh, a really wonderful friend. Yeah. Yeah. So anyone, anyone who's out there listening and you feel a little intrigued by this, I challenge you, like, find one friend this week. Um, if they're going through a tough time or something joyous or you're having a hard time, invite them in to pray together literally just for, like, two minutes. Start with two minutes. It's a baby step. Might feel awkward, but I can't tell you how powerful that's been in my friendships um, and and my personal faith life too. <laughs> so I felt like, um, you know, I felt like as I was saying that, I was like, oh, this is an awesome first step. And then I realized because I had a couple students come and ask, like, well, that's great for you to say, reach out and pray with someone for two minutes. And they're like, but how do you even do the reaching out? And right. like, what does that first prayer even look like? Like, okay, so I'm really sad or I'm really happy, but how actually 
do I ask someone to pray with me? Yeah, you know, I think um, th- th- there's such vulnerability in that moment mm-hmm. that it's hard to imagine. And I also think that it's hard to come up with uh, a template that somehow is going to one size fit all mm-hmm. and, and make the awkwardness go away. I, I, I don't believe that um, the risk of relationship um, can ever be so um, sort of stripped down that it doesn't always carry with it some of that risk and some mm-hmm. of the some of the difficulty. It, you know, you, some things you just have to do. You know, and and maybe the easier places to do them are <clears throat> if I try and do this with students if we're having a meal. Mm-hmm. You know, to say can can we pray together? And it's interesting when I'm out on the road with uh, donors, with parents or alumni or whatever, and it's a meal, I always, I, I wait for them to maybe offer a prayer. But a lot of times what happens is they start eating and I'm trying to find a way to say a prayer over my meal without looking like obnoxious priest who just mm-hmm. started praying. But invariably when I, when I do like make the sign of the cross, they, Oh, oh I'm sorry. Like, yeah, let's pray. You know? So, <laughs> so I, I think um, that's easier said than done for, you know, what's well, easier for a priest, obviously, or uh, religious. So, but, you know, friends, what do you do? Can we, you know, if we're having a meal, can we just hold hands and, and be in silence in prayer for a minute? And can you pray with me about this thing that I'm struggling with? And maybe no words need to be exchanged. Maybe that's the first in place the prayer. in the prayer, yeah. right? That it's, that it's a moment of silent prayer where we just, uh, we hold each other's hand and we're together knowing that, you know, words are great, but they don't have to be. And, and so, I mean, that might be a good place to mm-hmm. start if I am concerned that I don't know what to pray or how mm-hmm. to say or what, to, how to start, but know that it's got awkwardness written all over it. Yeah, it does. You're right. And I, I, I think back to undergrad when some of my friends and I first started praying together and it was super awkward, like, but now I feel so much more, um, confident, uh, doing it. So it, yeah, it like, it's just, it's, it's a muscle that you need to build, right. you know? Right. And there'll be pain at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. So, um, you know, I, I like, I like this talk about prayer and now I want to, I want to dive into, um, a little bit around the idea of sin, Mm. um, from our episode with Gerardo. Yeah, that was great. The priest stands in for the community in that way too. Right. That's really powerful for me. No, not only powerful, but just spot on. I mean, Mm. when you think about the, that's the greatest challenge for us as mature adults is to realize that there there is no private sin. I know. You know there Even is something no sin. that's only that's you right. know that's about. That's right. That's right. It, yes. it it impacts it. The ripple effects on the, mm-hmm. you know we've we've in, we've allowed evil one more foothold yeah. in, in our world, and so that that communal um, you know responsibility that I have to to take ownership of my sins before the representative of the community is huge. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so we actually had a couple listeners uh, reach out around this one too, asking us um, just uh, what is this idea of no private sin? Where does it even come from? And how can, you know, a sin that we feel like is not impacting someone else, how does it actually impact like our neighbor, our friends, our family? Yeah, I, I mean, I think 
some of ancient cultures had a far greater awareness and appreciation of this, so much so that there was always the concept that the sin of the, you know, the parents are, you know, transferred mm. to the children, you know, that you, you inherit the, the sins of, of, uh, of your ancestors in a very uh, tangible way, you know, and um, I'm not saying that that's necessarily a, uh, a belief that we have today. I'm just <laughs> saying that there, this concept of sin not being uh, a purely private mm. affair is, um, is so real uh, that it's and so true that it's been known, you know, for generations. Mm. Uh, I think the the one dimension that probably um, makes us want to believe that sin is just, you know, a, a simple thing between me and God. It doesn't really impact anybody else. Is because I I'm constantly trying to minimize the impact yeah. of my own weakness, you know, mm-hmm. and that. And the more I dial it back and say, well, it's not really hurting anybody, um, you know, the more I can say, well, what's wrong with it, mm-hmm. right? So the more I um, diminish its its impact, the, the, the more it's okay. Mm-hmm. And if you think about every conceivable sin, mm-hmm. if, you, if you really want to uh, be honest about it and ask yourself, how does it have ramifications for others if if in no other way i'm more of a sinner and then my uh, propensity towards Mm -hmm. sin against you becomes greater i mean that's sort of just this baseline type of reality where my sin uh, impacts the world Mm -hmm. but the the more hidden dangers of how my sin impacts so many other people it's it's so gosh it's so um, I guess it's so simple in the ways in which it does, uh, you know, impact other people. But I think it's um, it's complicated in, in in the ways in which it actually um, gets called out. For example, you can talk about the say infidelity in a couple's relationship, mm-hmm. right? And it's clear that both parties have been injured by that. But it's not so clear how maybe other couples are impacted by it, for mm. example, or how they're. We could even say, okay, we see how maybe your children yeah. are impacted by it. But how is the broader community? I mean, I, I think if we look at the um, the demographics of married life today, and we mm. see its decline, that mm-hmm. fewer and fewer people are actually committing to marriage, then we can say that infidelity in marriage has impacted Mm. people because now they don't believe it to be possible, right? So there would be just a simple example Mm -hmm. of the complex way in which over time, bigger picture, Mm -hmm. my one sin has an impact on on a greater community, you know? And and I think we all have to take account of that. Yeah. You know, as we we talk about this, I'm also remembering um, the, the... the priest who came to speak at the beginning of this semester around pornography. And he told that story of the dad who was watching pornography regularly. And um, it was only when he stopped and his kid one day said like, wow, dad, you like, you look, you seem so different. You like, I just really, I don't remember what he said, but essentially it's like, 
you're just paying more attention to me and my life and it, it like hit the guy that like holy cow it like I thought watching pornography in like by myself in my room was like not affecting my family at all it was just a thing for me but actually like it really does impact the way we think about other people and treat other people like any personal sin right affects our view of the world and other people right and if we if we believe that grace that God's grace given to me positively impacts mm-hmm. so many other people, mm-hmm. right? Which we all, I think, yeah. uh, agree to. Then the absence of it by, you know, by force has to. Also impact. Exactly. Yeah. In, the same, in the same, you know, uh, kind of a corollary way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, really interesting. Really good questions. You guys are asking amazing questions. Um, we need to figure out how to do some like call-ins, you know, or something. <laughs> call into our podcast. Maybe that's yeah. I don't know how that works. How People goes. send in recordings of questions. Oh yeah, that would be great. You know, that so would be great. something to think about, listeners. Right. right. Um, yeah, actually, our next clip as well comes uh, from from some student listeners asking uh, for some for some additional thoughts on Duke hookup culture. Maybe this is colored by my Greek life experience, but probably just like hookup culture mm-hmm. and um, how romance on campus is perceived in general. Mm-hmm. It seems like a pretty vapid and dark area of life. Right. So, yeah. I mean, like I said, that could be colored by my experience, but I just always, the most pain I've seen like in my friends or acquaintances has usually been due to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I, I, the reason I ask that question is maybe that's our prayer during Easter is that mm-hmm. that area and and so many others as you kind of well say you know that really need the resurrection the the, the light of Christ mm-hmm. you know an apparition you know for Christ mm-hmm. to kind of walk into those moments. moments and say romance doesn't have to be this sort of dark uh, place that transactional yeah yeah and, and that causes yeah. you more worry and concern than causes you joy yeah. you know mm-hmm. may may christ's resurrected presence be made real in those moments and in the so in so many other places where uh where death uh reigns still sadly mm-hmm. you know yeah hmm. that was from our easter episode with Hala. That was a really good one. That was great. Mm-hmm. What, what, I know she had a lot of great content, but I always love good vocabulary. Vapid. Yes. 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 Very good. <laughs> Vapid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I think a common question here is, um, well, kind of both sides of the coin. Like, what what do what do we say to encourage someone who may be trapped in this hookup culture right now? Um, and then h- how do we encourage folks who have friends who are trapped in this? Like, what can we empower them to be able to, like, say or do, or maybe not even say or do, but love in a different way that helps draw their friends out, you know? Yeah, I, you know, I think for those that are maybe find themselves involved in it now, just to ask yourself, is, is this what you would like the rest of your life to be? You know, and, and if you if you're telling yourself, well, it's just a phase and, you know, I know the rest of my life won't won't be like that. Well, then why would you want this moment in your life to be like that? What would be mm-hmm. you know, why would you be uh, allowing yourself to engage in in relationships that uh, really are meaningless and mm-hmm. uh, and expressions of your sexuality that don't reflect the totality of your heart and your soul and, and, and commitment that 
that says, I'm giving you my all because I, I want to be all that I can be for you forever. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if that's not, the you know, the way you want to live the rest of your life, then why would you live that way now? I think that's just one question that we all have to uh, be able to reconcile a little bit. And, and that's for those who might be engaged in the culture and, and not really seeing it as something that they they need to step away from. But those who are caught up in it and can't get themselves out of it, I, I think that um, the the real challenge is ask yourself, why am I doing this? What need is this filling? Mm. And and begin to just ask yourself more why questions. Why am I? What is this? How is this somehow? Um, uh, fulfilling something within me. And I think the mm. more that we get to that, the easier we are, uh, not easier, but the more simple it becomes to say, all right, this is the real issue. Let me address this issue in, in real ways that mm-hmm. are going to actually do something to improve that situation rather than, you know, hooking up that really leaves me um, in this void area that, that I, I don't, I know it's not good for me. It's not good for the other person, and and it's not good for my future relationships either. You know. Yeah. So, um, and and uh, lastly, you know, I I try and say this in a way, and I'm not sure I'm saying it well, but <laughs> some way to communicate that Christ is with you even in the midst of the sin. Yeah. Don't think you're by yourself. Don't think that you're alone. Don't think that Christ doesn't love you in that. Christ loves you no matter what and in fact came for that very moment knowing that Mm. that you would struggle with this and Mm -hmm. and um, don't you know to remove yourself from Christ in that moment is what Satan wants yeah that's when evil wins is Mm -hmm. that when we further isolate ourselves and so as far as what you do for your friends I mean I I'm not sure that um, anything other than helping them to reflect on what they're really looking for Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think most folks who engage in sort of these non-committed um, sexual liaisons that that don't really go anywhere have regret. Call the regret what it is, you know, and say, you know, well, you don't have to live like that. You have yeah. other options, yeah. you know. Uh, we're not products of the culture. We can we can rise above it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help but giggle at non-committed. Would you call it sexual liaisons? Yes, I did. <laughs> That, the new catchphrase for hookups, <laughs> not committed sexual liaisons. <laughs> That's priceless. Well, it's, I know it's a serious topic, but I can't that's help right. it. It's a, it's a, it doesn't have the same appeal as hookup. Hookup <laughs> no. just sounds fun and we won't worry about it tomorrow, you know, but uh, yeah. non-committed sexual liaisons sounds like a venereal disease. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so funny. Oh man. Yeah. That's really good advice. Um, I think, I think you're right about just like keeping asking the why question and asking that of your friends too. Why are you finding this, you know, fulfilling or not fulfilling or whatever? Um, really, really good advice. All right. I want to listen to this clip we've got from the Easter episode around, um, chasing prestige at Duke. Mm. I mean, and I also kind of just want to give a quick shout out to the second place winner for that, (laughs) because I think it's really important is 
just like the idea of prestige and trying to get prestigious jobs or wanting to feel like proud when you tell people where you're going next year from a senior's perspective I just feel like that's a huge weight on Duke student shoulders that like I mean most people I know are going to have a job after they graduate but it's like what job and where is it and Mm -hmm. does everyone here know the name and I think that's just something that people don't don't they don't see how superficial it is like it just they get so caught up in it because Mm -hmm. we're at duke so we're used to being proud or yeah kind of flaunting this name and then they just want to continue that Mm -hmm. afterwards and can't imagine life without this weighty name behind Mm -hmm. hashtag first world problems yeah (laughs) for sure (laughs) for sure so actually Ironically, I was also just talking with a student about this today, too, around how, like, um, I feel like intellectually, we all know that relationships give, like, the ultimate meaning and fulfillment to our lives, sure. right? Well, okay, Jesus, obviously, the but that he's, he's, like, the primary relationship, sure. but our, like, human relationships are, like, you know, what you're going to look back on mm-hmm. um, as, like, giving the most meaning to your life, but... How do we, so to speak, walk that talk a little bit better and not allow ourselves to, you know, have our decisions driven by career prestige status? Because I feel like we know we know it intellectually up here, but in action, man, at Duke, you just don't see that. I, I don't think it's just limited to Duke. I think mm, in, the in, in the world, I think that there's often a, a desire on all of our parts to... Um, you know, to, to put our best foot forward and, and to let ourselves be known as something great, mm. you know, and, and and probably at its heart, there's a goodness there where, you know, the beauty of creation, you know, does, does, does a beautiful sunset scream, hey, look at me, this is pretty awesome. Sure it does, just <laughs> the sheer beauty screams that, right? Yeah. And so too, we do the same. We, uh, our, our good acts, we want to proclaim them from uh, the hilltops and let everyone know the good. Th- I mean, that's to me, that's the beauty of, uh, of social media is that that's what's driven that that engine so incredibly. So there's there's probably <laughs> some goodness in it at its heart. But where we twist it is we get full of ourselves, you know, around the accomplishment and we start believing our own press releases, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and start to believe ourselves to be, be something greater than we are. Sure. I just did this great thing. And if I could, if I could shout that greatness out in Thanksgiving to all who have helped to make it happen, mm-hmm. then amen. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and to me, that's the, that's the glory that, you know, that we, we want to, to revel in mm-hmm. rather than look at me and think me great and sometimes inherent in that look at me and look at the prestige I have is also about and you're not mm. you know yeah. you know it's it's the other side of that same coin yeah. and if we can get rid of that dimension of it mm-hmm. that you know isn't this arrogance that um, the only way I can be greater is for you to be lesser mm-hmm. uh, if we can minimize that or exclude that completely you know our, our accomplishments, we can revel in, in them yeah. as long as, you know, there's that sense of gratitude that, wow, I, I can't believe God's been this good to me. Mm-hmm. I, I remember once um, um, having someone, uh, you know, 
tell me that I, um, I too often, I didn't know how to receive a compliment, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. someone would say something and, and I would minimize it. And we mm -hmm. all probably know people, you know, friends of ours who are like that. And at some point, um, you know, I, I came to the realization that no, it, it's humble to accept a compliment mm. and say thank you and, and to recognize that, yeah, I did something good. Mm -hmm. Someone's recognizing it and I want to thank them for doing that. And I don't want to minimize it, but it doesn't mean that I'm all that. It yeah. just means goodness is, is evident and mm -hmm. let's, let's enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I hadn't even, I hadn't even been thinking in that direction around this topic, but, um, I think you're right. Like, man, so much of the prestige drive here at Duke and status is definitely, it's, it's not pointed to towards God, right? right? It's right. all, it's pointed inward. Right. Um, yeah. And it, it feeds on itself. You know, the more that, the more prestige I have, the more prestige I have to have. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, like there's no status quo, you know, yeah. and that's what drives the, the driven people, you know, mm -hmm. because once they've achieved, that's not enough. Got to get to that next level mm -hmm. and the next level and the next level beyond that. And it's, it's all a mirage, mm -hmm. you know, that, then, you know, you're never satisfied. You think that's going to satisfy and you get there and it's not what you wanted it to be. Yeah. And so you got to be driven for more. I mean, it, it, you talk about, you know, chasing your tail. It just you know, <laughs> it never ends. It, mm -hmm. it just keeps going. And so that to me is an indicator I'm broken here when, when I can't enjoy the accomplishment in and of itself, um, but I'm I'm driven to something greater. Maybe you know. Yeah. Maybe that says check something the about box me. and move sure. on to something bigger. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. So I uh, I really like this next clip too. You know, um, let's go ahead and listen. I definitely fear rejection and um, being labeled as like. I guess this is embarrassing to say, but being labeled as like the super Catholic one, even like it is very important to me and it is central to who I am, but sure. I'm afraid being labeled as that, then they'll write me off. Right. Um, and, and so to my, a lot of my non-Catholic friends, I, I don't really talk about, uh, you know, my really amazing prayer time that I had that day or sure. something that was really moving and important to me spiritually. Um, and I, I think that experience <clears throat> is so common <clears throat> amongst probably a lot of our listeners, even, even, you know, there's the fear that my experience isn't all that great. And so wh <laughs> why would I share it? You know? Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I've had that feeling since undergrad, you know, of mm -hmm. like not wanting to be labeled the super Catholic one. So I'll minimize my job sometimes when I talk to people. Right. Like, oh, I work in communications at Duke. Instead of saying, I work in communications at the Duke Catholic Center, you know? I, like, I do you, I'm as a priest, I'm sure you had to get over that a long time ago, but do you still sometimes fear being placed in a box where people will say, like, well, of course he'd say that. He's a priest. Sure, I do. And, and I, I think that, um, you yeah, know, there's probably some natural um, inclination around um, wanting to be seen outside of some labels just mm -hmm. for myself, but there's labels and then there's the heart of who I am. And, mm -hmm. and that's where I think, um, the more we get comfortable in relationship with Christ, the more we want that relationship to be the first thing, Yeah, you know, and the lens, th not only through which I see the world, 
but the lens through which other people see me, mm-hmm. you know, and to the extent that we don't, it's just showing us that I got some, I, I still got some room to grow. You yeah. know, I still, that, that, that relationship isn't the very, um, you know, the very heart of who I am such that I don't, I don't care. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think to myself of, you know, not having any children of my own, I, I, I think of, you know, father and, and child or mother and child and, you know, what it takes for a parent to be uh, embarrassed by their children or child such that they would disown them, that that's a pretty far, you know, place to go, Mm -hmm. you know, that most parents, regardless of how awful their children are, still call them their own and just can't abandon them at all you know that i think that we have that within our human nature you know that 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 propensity for deep relationship Mm -hmm. regardless should tell us something about how we're wired and how we're really geared towards relationships of incredible depth such that our relationship with christ is geared towards being something that i would never abandon my relationship with Christ mm-hmm. for the sake of my friends thinking I'm weird or, <laughs> or, you know, or it's not convenient or, yeah. you know, but the, to the extent that we, we do abandon it, it only just tells us, mm-hmm. you know, we're still scratching some of the surface of our relationship with Jesus and, mm-hmm. and he's inviting us more deeply in, in love with him. And, yeah. and, and, and so, okay, I could beat myself up about that or I can, I can get to loving him more, you yeah. know, and, and I think it's the latter. So just, I guess it's taking walking that fine line a little bit with, you know, your non-faithful friends, non-Christian friends, whatever, um, non-Catholic, all those, all of the above, and just being honest about what, what is important in your life and sharing bits and pieces of that without being like you're bombarding. Right. And and, and I mean, I think um, any of us in any of the things that we treasure can you know, we can be obnoxious about it, you know, <laughs> yeah. your friend that is, uh, into biking and, you know, every, every third conversation is somehow about biking. And at the end of the day, you want to say enough with the biking, you know, or, or whatever it might be. You know I mean? I, I think, um, you pick and choose your moments, yeah. but know that my opinions, my way of acting and seeing mm. life is, is going to be directed by this, this, primal relationship mm-hmm. and I can't I can't be otherwise yeah yeah you can't cover it's more it than biking yeah <laughs> it's a little more yeah. than biking so just, a, just a smidge <laughs> yeah oh goodness so and this has been a great retrospective as yeah. we've taken a look at uh, how many uh, episodes have we had so 26 yeah this is episode 27 Seven, right mm-hmm. so uh a great year for uh, podcasting at the Duke Catholic Center, um, and we've appreciated so much um, not only all of our listeners, but uh, in a special way, uh, our donors uh, that yeah. allow us to do this ministry. There's so many really um, wonderful people that uh, empower us to, mm-hmm. to do great things by their prayers, their financial support, um, and their ideas. So it's been, yeah. it's been a good year. It has been a really good year. Thank you guys for our side chat listeners for following us on this journey. It's so good. And we have some really good ideas oh, coming up wait. too. So. Just wait. Um, some, some great guests that we've got lined up. It's going to be fun. <laughs> it should be, should be really, really good. Yeah. Um, 
So we hope this year has been as fruitful for you guys as it has been for us. And just thanks for joining us for this anniversary episode. It was awesome. I, I want to encourage you to email us anytime with thoughts, questions you might have, or suggestions for future episodes. That's how we, you know, got all the fuel for this, for all this great stuff in this episode. So yeah, just email me anytime, um, erm13 at duke.edu. For more information about the ministry of the Duke Catholic Center, visit us at catholic.duke.edu. Friarside Chats is supported by many generous donors, students, parents, alumni, and friends of Duke just like you. To learn how you can support Friarside Chats or any other ministry of the Duke Catholic Center, visit catholic.duke.edu backslash support. Thanks, Father Mike, for an awesome year. Thank you, Em. It's been awesome being with you. Thank yeah. you. All right, guys. See you next time on Friarside Chats. Well, Em, this has been a great little uh, retrospect. Uh, let me try that again. <laughs>